Welcome to the Labcast by IAOA with your host, Captain Dave Jackson. Hey there, Collabcast listeners. This is Captain Dave Jackson coming to you from sunny Hendersonville, Tennessee, part of Nashville. I cannot tell you how thrilled I am today to have with me our special guest, Daniel Siong from Irvine, California. Daniel, welcome to the show. Well, Captain Dave, I appreciate it, my friend. It's uh, This is, believe it or not, I don't know if the audience or realize this or not, but this is the first time you and I are really first interacting time. together. I've, I've been stalking you for many, many yep. years from afar, but it's really nice yep. to spend a little Email, time Email, private friend. messaging. I don't know if we talked on the phone, but this is the first time on camera. So yeah, it's really cool. And this is what happens at, uh, a lot of our listeners will know about IOA. This is what happens at IOA. You know, you've got all these virtual friends and then you finally sign up for your first conference and you come and you get to see them in person. So you and I, that's going to happen this October because you're going to be one of our presenters at our annual conference in October. So that's going to be a thrill for me. And uh, believe me, we've got, a, you're part of a star-studded line, but we'll get to that a little bit later. Anyway, first off, uh, so our listeners know a little bit about you. They know probably more than they need to know about me. So we're not going to talk about me. Um, uh, as far as you, I want to really go back to you as a person. We'll get to the unsexy insurance part in a minute. So first question, are you originally from California? Were you born and raised? Uh, so I'm 44 years old tomorrow. Oh, and, uh, happy birthday. Well, thank you. Thank you. So I was born in 79 in Seoul, Korea, moved out here in 84 when I was five years old. Then I settled down in Burbank, California, which is probably about an hour north of where I am right now. Mm -hmm. But pretty much education, childhood uh, out here in California. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Your parents came over? Yeah. When you yeah. were five? Yeah. When we were five. And um, what caused know, started... that? What made them come over to California? Well, you know, it, it's interesting because when I was around three or four years old, my birth mom, she all of a sudden one day woke up and decided she didn't want to be a mom anymore. So my dad uh, raised me and my sister. She's two years older than I am. And all his siblings were back here in the States. And my grandmother would come and just say, you know, what, what are you doing in Korea? There's nobody here. Just come and, you know, be with us. So he picked us up, came out here. Um, and then, you know, we got remarried to my mom now. And you know, my mom had two other kids. So we grew up as a family of four kids. Gotcha. But my dad, you know, it's a true immigrant story. You know, out here, he sold T-shirts at San Diego Swamp Meat. He would buy T-shirts for a dollar, try to sell it for a buck fifty. And he just grew it and grew it and grew it and grew it to where he had- Selling T-shirts? Yeah, selling T-shirts at Swamp Meat. Holy but he grew his business to have multiple locations, storefronts, retail, and like a sewing factory. So, you know, he, he did very well for himself, gave us a great childhood. And then he kind of went through some hard times right when I was in high school. Um, so it was a roller coaster of a childhood, but wonderful memories and so appreciative of what his generation has done. Wow, that's an interesting story. T-shirts. Yeah. He didn't do the actual printing. He just resold, right? Yeah. Yeah, in the okay. very beginning, he just resold. And then he, he got a print shop, and you know he did all that by himself, so he too. He did do the, all the printing and all that. That's yeah. very cool. Uh, uh, entrepreneurial business owner coming from abroad. I love it because sometimes you just don't have the opportunity there. But the fact that he wanted to have a better life for you and your sister, 
and brought you here so there you'd be closer to family and be able to grow up you know in a uh here versus korea kudos to him he he could see that that was important good for him yeah and you gotta gotta admire him for that yeah people ask me you know like where did you get your drive where did you get your and as a kid i mean i I would be 16 years old and i still got up at you know maybe 5 30 6 o'clock and i would go to the gym go run just always be active and i always remember you know when i would wake up that early my dad wouldn't be home because he would already you know he left the house probably around 4 4 30 mm-hmm. um every single day you know he would open up the shops go to the factories make sure everything was taken care of and so that's that's i think subconsciously where i just learned you know wake up early be a leader show up on time and just be there when your team gets there so it was yeah. uh it was a lot of fun so were you born to be an entrepreneur well you know Great question. And I don't know if I was born to be an entrepreneur, but I was born not to be in corporate. I've, okay. you know, I, I, it'll be the same I, thing, but yeah, maybe not. Yeah, right. I flunked first grade and, and I cannot wait. Get out of town. Come like, on. Who flunks deep? Who flunks first grade? First grade. Oh, come on, man. That's easier in so, kindergarten. So I, <laughs> I never, you know, I thought, man, that's odds were stacked against me. And I can't wait until October innovation because. You know, there's going to be a lot of talent up there, and I'm just honored to be one of the speakers uh, that you have. Um, but I really like getting personal. You know, I re- like when when a lot of guys get together. What I notice, and I do this too. What I notice is everybody wants to pump their chest and flex. Right. Everybody wants to talk about all the things that's going on for them, all the success, all the wins, all the all the good things. Mm-hmm. What I found out is not everybody could relate to that. And that's why people put up a persona. Right. I lead with my failures. I flunk first grade. I filed bankruptcy. I welfare, food stamps. I mean, I've been through it all. But when I share that with people, like you see this guard just coming down and I say, damn, Daniel, I'm just going through that right now. Right. You know, so they, this they, guy they, is real. It's just they relate to you and they, yeah. they're wondering why you're sharing all this. But it just, there's a human level. There's a connection. Everybody can connect with failure, not wins. But I'm so excited to kind of, you know, share that. But yeah, I never, my first job was Panda Express when I was 16 years old. And then I went into the Marine Corps right after high school because I didn't get into the college that I wanted to get into. But looking back, you know, the Marines, it was absolutely the, one of the best things I ever did in my life. Okay, um, get, get, give me two seconds here. I'll interrupt you. Hoorah! I've always <laughs> wanted to do that. I've always wanted to, so Step I had to. And it's uh, I, you know, and there's a camaraderie. Even when I meet somebody in the insurance industry, and it's just for the first time we find out that we're both Marines. There's an instant connection. For sure. Uh, but that you know the they, the Marines is where I I visually saw leadership in the Marines. Because that's all the Marines is about. Leadership right. and just mission oh, yeah. accomplishment, troop welfare, just getting things done. Work ethic, camaraderie. So I was a knucklehead. You know, I just didn't know what I wanted to do. So my How whole, long were you in the Marines? I was in four years, right after high school. I graduated okay. high school probably June 15th. I was on the bus June 19th. My first duty station after boot camp was Okinawa, Japan. So I was out there for 12 months. Wow. And then I got stationed down in Miramar. And that's where I met my wife. She's not military, but they were living there. Okay. So... 
um, again, it, it led me to my wife. And now, you know, we just celebrated 19 years, five kids. It just, we're having a great time. Awesome. Congratulations and happy birthday. Yeah. Thank you. Tomorrow. Yeah. That's an awesome story. So without a doubt, the military teaches you a lot, but did it teach you how to be a business owner well, you know, or more just on the leadership side? Leadership, but also structure. But I think what it really taught me was no excuses. You know, there is no room for error. Like you have to get it done. And Dave, I, I tell you, and this is, this is pretty brutal, but I am a very good person or self-control uh, to a certain degree. Like I, I can get things done that I know I need to get done. For example, sales goals. I truly do believe every salesperson should focus on hitting 75% of their target by the 15th of the month. You have to have that activity to hit that target. But, you know, when I was on welfare and I, when I got into the industry, I would pretend that somebody was holding a nine millimeter to my kid's head. And if I didn't hit that target sales goal at the end of the month, it would be bad. It was I, that I, I made myself because... You know, at my lowest point, I had $200 in my left pocket and that was it. And we had my fourth daughter at that time. Bankruptcy, again, food stamps, we, we sold everything. We moved around so much that I didn't know. We never updated our address and our license, right? We moved so much. It got really bad. <laughs> but, you know, you sell a home policy this month, you don't get paid for 30 days. All right. So that money was already spent. But my wife didn't work because I, I didn't want her to work. She was home with the kids. So I would go out there. So I had two jobs during the day. And then I would come home, have dinner, take a nap for two hours. And then I would drive. At 10 p.m., I would drive to my graveyard shift. which it was. This is after the Marines. This is after the Marines. Yeah, after yeah, I had early family. I had my first business. I failed. And then that's when I got into insurance. And I didn't know anybody when I got into insurance. But okay, hold on a second. What was your first business that I, failed? I was in the mortgage business. What was it? Mortgage business. As a loan officer? Yep. yep. So, okay. Um, you know, I was um, going to school. I dropped out because I was making so much money as a loan officer. And then, you know, four months later, I opened my own shop uh, out here in Torrance, California. And I had 15 loan officers. I had three processors. And as a kid, I was making a ton of money with my own pen. I remember one month, uh, and this isn't even the business. This is just with my own pen as a producer. I always made 100,000 commission, the next month 75, the next month 50. So in a quarter, I made $225,000. Um, but you know, not coming from money, not knowing how to handle money, I was completely reckless. You know, thinking that I was just the man, right? Arrogant, just full of myself, and the good Lord really humbled us. And you know, and I do believe everything happens for a reason. But, um, and I forget what your original question was, but, uh, the business, uh, why it failed. Yeah. Or what was it? And you said mortgage. Yeah. But why did it fail? Well, okay. So, well, you know, I want to say timing also has something to do with it because we closed it down July 07. And that's really kind of the start of the end for, for the mortgage yeah. business, the housing market. And, you know, we weren't yeah. Bank of America or Countrywide or these big companies where you can, you know, sustain a couple bad months or a couple bad years. So, right. you know, we had to shut that down pretty quickly. And that's when, but thankfully that happened because that's how I got into insurance. Okay. So I ask all my guests this, 
What was your very first day in the insurance industry? My first day in the insurance industry, gosh. Well, just figuring out the systems. You mean as far as- No, I mean, when, when was it? What, what were you doing and when was it? Oh, when was it? So I got licensed in 07. Oh, oh, Before you ever had a job, you got your license? Yeah, well, well exactly, exactly. So that transition, that okay. transition time, well, so I, I got discharged from the Marine Corps in 02. And then I got a part-time job while I was going to USC, but I was also married at that time. So that's when I got into the mortgage business, part-time job. And that part-time job led to me just opening up a mortgage or brokerage. So I did that for about three, four years. And then in 07 is when I left the industry and I got licensed in insurance. Um, And then there was, you know, there was probably about a six month gap where I was helping my parents with their business because I was able to. Um, But, you know, I didn't know what a cluster was. I didn't know what it, I didn't. I was an island to myself. So I thought, okay, well, I looked at several different industries, residential real estate, commercial real estate, equipment financing. I, I looked at a bunch and I thought, okay, what's going to give in long term? I mean, I figured I'm not making any money anyway right now. I'll just invest the next couple of years into my future. So I, uh, I picked insurance because I thought, well, just like everybody else, right? Everybody needs it. Right. So I thought, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll look into this thing and got licensed. And then I found a local agency. Um, I found a local agency and I just needed access. So I owned my own book of business from the very beginning and they took a little bit off the top and that's where kind of, I started growing my book. And that was an independent broker. That's right. Okay. So you picked the industry without ever working a day in, in it and decided to get your insurance license. No, you didn't know someone who said, Hey, try this or just out of the blue, you on your own say, I think this is where I want to go. And you go get a study manual and get your license. Yeah. Yeah. That's hours, how it went. 52 hours. Holy moly. Yeah. That's crazy. And in California, do you have to go through pre-licensing? Yeah. Have a course yeah. and all that and before you can. Back then, test? I think you can spend a week inside of the classroom um, I, I believe I, I chose to do it online because I was working a couple of other jobs. So, but it's 52 hours. You have to complete 52 hours. You get your certificate right. and then you can take the state test. So now you pick a broker and you go be a producer. I was an independent producer where I wasn't on a schedule. They didn't have, I didn't clock in or out. Mm-hmm. I was completely, so it was almost an agency within an agency type of thing. I was building gotcha. my own book of business. They didn't support me with any marketing or anything like that. 1099. Yeah. Okay, cool. That was uh, an independent agency. Did you have a, at that point, did you have a niche or like in commercial or were you just writing anything you could? No, it was definitely personal lines. Um, and I was just writing okay. everything that I could. And one advice that I would give to people is I was very slow to expand my expenses. So I was working another job and in the graveyard. And then as soon, you know, I was able to quit that graveyard shift. But I was, I worked that other job for a good six years along with insurance during the day but both were flexible um and i just worked from home but and i don't say this to boast because to to some of our friends when i give them this number they're gonna be like oh that's peanuts right and in the big scheme of things it is but uh, the year that i went out and opened my office which is actually the office upstairs from where i am right now i signed the lease when i was still a producer out here in California, it was hard for, they had a moratorium on appointments, direct appointments. So I couldn't get a direct appointment. It took me six to seven years. 
but I knew it was going to happen. I knew it was going to happen soon. So I just committed myself while still being a producer to quitting that second job and getting a lease upstairs of about 1500 square feet. I hired some employees. Um, but my income at that point, that year, my income with the two jobs was 400,000. So I recovered from making, you know, 20,000 a year, not being able to feed my family. So I recovered pretty quickly, but you know, that was still five to six years. And I always tell people, anytime you start a business or anytime you start something new, you got to kill yourself. You got to give it your all for the first five years. I didn't go to a single birthday party, a Friday night uh, outing. I I didn't go to church. My wife would go to church with the five kids and you know, people thought she was a single mom. I was completely focused. I never looked left. I never looked right. I mean, I had people depend on me. So I just, every time I came home, that was enough motivation where those kids would look at me. So I, I, I any, any regrets about that? Dave, no regrets. The only cool. regret I have professionally is I didn't get into insurance earlier. <laughs> That's what everybody says. And you know, you know what it is? My wife and I, when we got married, we were young. When we started our first business, we were young, but we had enough wisdom to open the business and say, you know what? If this doesn't work out, we'll be in our late 20s. We're kids. We're still, I'm 44. I still feel like a kid. So we had time on our side. That's why we started the first business. No, no regrets. No regrets at all. But, but, but going back, um, the first five years, you have to kill yourself. And my income was 400000 I could definitely afford an employee, but I was so scared to go back, right, to that bad place uh, of just having no money, no stability, no security, that I just, I grew the income, grew the income, saved the money, saved the money. Now, it was interesting because it took me that long because from my other job, which was very flexible, I was making about 75000 a year. Now, so for, for, if it's four hundred thousand, that's three twenty-five on insurance, seventy-five thousand with the other job. But the minute I opened up an office, I knew I couldn't, I couldn't hold on to that other job, so I let that job go. But about seventy-five thousand dollars of expenses goes out now. There's a lease, there's you know employees and all these things. So it was a hundred and fifty thousand dollars swing for me. So that's why I, I held out on so long until I opened the office. But once I opened that office, it was probably within that year where the carriers came to me and said, Daniel, you're, you're growing a decent-sized book now. You've proven yourself, and we're going to go ahead and give you an appointment. So that's, that was back in 2016, officially Great Park Insurance Incorporated, 2017. So Great Park Insurance is seven years old? Just about. Yeah, just about. Yeah, now, yeah. now okay. I have clients that are from you know, 2010, 2009, but officially incorporated 2017. Mm-hmm. As your as your existing agency, okay. So you have your agency in a commercial building that you own now today. No, no, I I do not. Own You're leasing building. space. Yeah, yeah. So we okay. moved downstairs. Now the office is okay. about twenty five hundred square feet. Um, but what's really interesting is when I moved upstairs, the landlord to this building texted me and said, Daniel, the the attorney downstairs is going out of business. Do you want the space? And I thought I can't even fill the space that I have now, fifteen hundred square feet. There's no way I need twenty five hundred. Three months later, she texted me again saying, Daniel, still available. Do you want it? And I thought, you know what? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's start building out the team and let's just, let's, let's get this thing going. Let's fully commit. And I tell you what, probably within 90 days of me moving down here and committing to growth and the team, our business just exploded. Wow. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Okay. 
So um, before we get to agency stuff, um, tell me, so five kids, wife and five kids, and four daughters and a son? I, I have four teenage girls right now and my little guy. Oh my yeah. gosh, how in the world do you manage yeah. four well, teenage why, girls? That's why I'm getting the grades now, right? But uh, No but joke. We, we just passed 19 years of marriage, and in the first five years, Dave, we had the four girls. In five years, four girls, no twins, just back-to-back. We had four girls with three in diapers at the same time. And then we said, no more. Let's just raise our kids and just, you know, live our life. And then we got surprised with my son, Nathan, a couple years after. So technically, right now, they're 17, 15, 13, 12, and 8. Oh, not too much of a gap for your youngest. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy, man. I. That's crazier than you going through the Marines and starting a business. So four daughters in five well, years. You, know, you, you have a very good point. Raising the kids, as much as fun we're having and enjoying it, toughest thing I've ever done. Oh, Tough. It far. has taught me patience, strategy, timing. It has just taught me so much because the relationship mm-hmm. is so fragile and it's so special that you don't want to ruin it, right? So, sure. but yeah, <laughs> business is easy. Raising kids, boy, that's not right. a yeah. And they're all in activities, right? So oh, it's like, yeah. get them all up to where they need to be every day, every day. You don't skip a day. Yeah. And I imagine your 17-year-old's driving by now, yeah. right? Well, she sure is. Okay. And today, my second one is taking her permit test. So by the end of the year, ah, we'll have two drivers. Two next drivers. year, next year we're going to have uh, one in college, two in high school. The year after that, we'll have three in high school. So yeah, it just it, it it's a busy time. No joke about it. Wow, that's crazy. So personal question, I don't know if you've ever been answered asked this, but I'm curious. Um, what led you to be as dapper of a dresser as you are? <laughs> Jacket, vest, shirt and tie all the time. Whenever we see you, what what's up? Shirt and tie almost every time I see you. Why? What's up with that? What's your philosophy? Yeah, yeah. Great question, by the way. Um, so Monday through Thursday, I'm dressed like this, a suit and tie. And then Fridays, we actually have jersey Fridays where we can wear any team jersey that we want. Mm-hmm. You know, Dave, I I think mindset is very important. Uh, and Dress I probably for success, right? I, I probably learned this in the Marines. You know, but in the Marines, I mean, you go through starch like it's water. Because you're just, you're, even your camis and your shirts, everything is just tight, crisp. There's lines right. everywhere, right? Yeah, and there's like, there is so much pride in the way you look, right? Even your nose hairs gets trimmed, just everything. You get a haircut every single week. And it just, it's, and you have an inspection. So you'll, the platoon will line up and the, um, you know, they'll go through the, each line one by one. And you might be out there for three, four hours, but you know what? You're out there. And you're just, you know, they're looking at every lapel, they're every button, everything. So when you look good, you feel good. When you feel good, you perform good. And I know that's not, you perform well, but, but you, know, you know what I mean? And so yeah. it's one of those things where, you know, and in my beard even, I, this is a year old. I've, I never grew a beard in my life. A year ago, I thought I'm gonna give it a try. Before that, I shaved every single day, even on Sundays, because I want to be at my best, right? I never know who's going to walk into this building on a given day. But if or when that person walks in, which could be maybe our biggest account, I want to make sure that I sit with them and I feel good about who we are and who, what we represent. 
So it was always for myself, mindset. And then the team starts getting involved, right? They see that. But as the leader, you have to kind of set the stage. And I always felt as if the leader has to be one step above. So if we can, if it's business casual, I like to do professional. If it's casual, I probably do business casual. But I, I always, and you hope that the kids or the team or just they, they pick up on little things like that. But I know I did. I shave every day because my dad shaved every day. I never had a conversation with my dad about him shaving every day. I just noticed it throughout the years. I never had a conversation about him being committed and leaving at four o'clock every morning. I just noticed it. And, And what I noticed as an adult, when he had nowhere to go, when he filed bankruptcy, closed down his business, he would still leave at four o'clock. The reason why he did that was he didn't want to show us that something was wrong or something was off. Right. Um, and then eventually, you know, we talked and we figured it out. But it's leadership. Leadership is everything. I really do believe that. And but there's there's going to in everyone's life, there's that one person at that one moment that says that one thing in your life that changes it forever. And I know for a fact that I've been that person to many. And even through our TikTok and our Sun Life podcast and everything else, we get so much, such good feedback, Dave, about these kids being abused while they were growing up, had a drunk dad, drugged out dad, just never was home, affairs. So they would message me, say, Daniel, I never wanted to be a dad, never wanted to get married. But watching you and your family, how much you're involved in having fun, it's like, man, I want that for myself. I want to be a dad now. It's pretty incredible what social media is doing in in a good way. Right, that's cool. So is the beard here to stay? You know, I, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, I Are you? I don't know how to. I don't cut it myself because I don't know how to. So I just go to the barber right. shop. But I I really do enjoy it. And my my wife and the kids were a little weirded out in the beginning, but now I think they're used to it. I was just going to ask your wife enjoy it. Yeah, now she's used to it. Yeah. Does she say a kiss is different now? <laughs> in the very beginning, she did, but she, she, I haven't yeah, heard that in a while. Hard to get used to. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. Very cool. So you talked about leadership, and it turns out you and a good friend of you, Ryan Reynolds, happened to put on a podcast, which is called The Insurance Leaders. Yeah. So how did that all come to be? Well, you know, we were, there's so many great podcasts out there and we thought, okay, well, does the industry really need another one? And, you know, selfishly, we kind of did it for ourselves in the very beginning because, you know, like we want to grow. We want to learn more about leadership. So we have people come on and we ask them about their leadership skills, their leadership philosophy. Um, And then we started getting such good feedback from the audience, but it's another way to give back. I stepped away from quoting and binding about three years ago. Did you? And you know, for those up till then, I have never been able to poke up my head and really do the things that I wanted to do. Probably for the first seven years, I was just completely tunnel vision. Once I started growing a team, I was able to go out, travel a little bit more, um, go to events a little bit more. But I, I lost my train of thought. I, there was some, I was okay. going to go somewhere with this, but I lost my train of thought. Insurance Leaders Podcast is what we're yeah, talking about. Right. Okay, so. So insur- yeah, that's right. Okay, so we're, we're having a great time. I think we're almost up on 30 episodes now. We drop every Thursdays. And it's, oh, I know where I was going. So the first half of my career, I was just busy trying to make a living. But sure. now the second part of my career, 
I really do want to leave the industry better than I found it. And I know a lot of people say that, but if I could just do one thing or impact a few people, I think I did my part. So just like you with, you know, with all the things that you've done to bring this industry together. And I really do believe that you kind of started this mindset of helping each other. I mean, I get competitive, you know, well, Patty Lars is just 10 minutes from me. But we're in masterminds together. We're travel buddies to events. I mean, we we collab almost on a daily basis. And but I'll have people, agency owners down the street who know nothing about us, never met them. They'll reach out because they found our social and all the social proof that we have going on, and they want to pick my brain. So I'll invite them in the conference room, show them everything, and then you kind of get the side eye from them because I show them everything that we're doing. And so they're wondering why I'm so open. Uh, but again, there's enough to go around. But one of the other reasons why I do it and what I've noticed is because anything you tell people 99% of the time, they walk out that door and they don't do anything with it. That's right. Hmm. And that's the sad part. But I mean, it's sad, but it, 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 it encourages you to share because if they were going to do something with it and, you know, come back on you, so to speak. You know, I have so many people say, oh, it's my competitor. Why would I help my competitor? Right. And I'm like, no, that's not our mindset. That's not how we look at it. If if we build, I, I look at it as captives versus direct writers versus independent agents. If we help the independent agency channel, you know, in terms of business, then we're helping, we're benefiting all of us as a whole, as a group. And if you think bigger picture that way, then it's not just me and you and we're competitors. That's not what we're all about. So. Yeah, that's the way I look at it. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's, it's um, again, it's just giving back to the industry that has given mm-hmm. us so much. Very cool. So let's talk about your agency a little bit. Uh, give folks an idea of the makeup of your agency. Yeah. You can share with us, you know, premium dollars, revenue dollars, number of employees. Yeah. I li- I'm interested in knowing the split or mix of your business too, personal versus commercial. Sure, sure. We're, you know, we're about 13 million in premium. We're uh, probably now about 70 personal, 30% commercial, 13 team members. Um, when I first started, it was all personal. We were probably about, well, up until about three years ago, we were probably about 95% personal, 5% commercial. We have intentionally made a focus in the commercial books. So now we're about 70, 30. But what's been really encouraging is, you know, anything you focus on grows. So uh, from three years ago, more than 50% of our new business uh, premium has been commercial. So we're definitely headed in the right direction. I think my ultimate goal is I might even take that 70, 30 the other way, where it's 70% commercial. Uh, mm-hmm. But I just, I have a really good team. I don't have a lot of layers in the office because again, we're only about 13 people, but everybody's cross-trained. Everybody knows, very responsible. Um, you know, I run a pretty loose organization as far as, you know, there, I mean, some people come in at 10 o'clock in the morning. Majority come in at 8.30, but the person who stays at comes in at 10 and usually is here until 10 p.m. or 8 p.m. at night, right? So it's, it's just my, my leadership philosophy was never the same for everybody. It's always on an individual basis. Now, obviously, the bigger decisions we do, it's, it's, it's as a team, but right. um, I think as a leader, you have to be flexible. You, you, and, and now, especially now with a lot of people working from home or a lot, of, you have to be mindful of you know individuals and kind of you know and creating an environment where they excel 
Um, but, but yeah, so we, we brought on um, automation about three, three and a half years ago, probably one of the best things that we've done. And that has really changed the industry. So we, a lot of people would probably think that I am very techy. Um, I, I, I am not. Uh, the la- in, the, in the last three years, or the, I brought on a new piece of technology. Um, the only one is about three years ago. Um, and then we just brought on Donna that we're implementing into the agency. But I don't, I don't change. I don't like change in the industry. I don't add a lot of things. Um, if anything, we probably take away more of what's not working. But we just, we try to keep it simple. Okay. On the commercial side, you said you you're shifting your focus. So, are you working in any certain niches or classes of business? Yeah, yeah. So we work. Uh, we try to stay within the com- or the construction space. So we, we lead with the comp, the GDL, the bond, the commercial auto, uh, but that's typically the niche that we target. Okay. So not your small contractors, but I'm guessing, or is it? Uh, actually, small, medium, large, doesn't matter? It actually, it is. Um, it's, it's probably more on the, on the smaller side um, where, you know, a package premium, if it's, it's probably right around 10 to 15,000. Okay. So it's not your $1,000 guys, you know, really small premium. Those guys tend to be an awful lot of work. Yeah, um, yeah, but we do have a little them bigger as well. than that. We we do have them as well. Yeah, yeah. Okay, very cool. So was that by choice? Did you select that class? We well, you know, commercial. I did. I didn't learn too much about commercial because again, I was just in the personal line space. Right. So, but I wanted to grow it. I wanted to get into it. So I actually hired a risk manager who came in who had a lot of experience with it. Um, and also had the carrier relationships. So it was just, we plugged, hired him, plugged him in, and he just, he's kind of running with it. Oh, very cool. So do you feel like commercial, the commercial side of the business is more recession proof than the personal side? Mm, you know, I mean, for or rest- more steady versus, you know, volatile, like yeah. what we're seeing now in a hard market? Well, you know, especially out here in California, it's, it's been a little tough. I mean, every it almost feels like every month we're getting emails from carriers um, where if they're not pulling out of the market, they want us to really slow down. And it was funny because, you know, our personal lines, we really do focus on bundled policies. So we submitted, we bound a auto home earthquake umbrella policy with one of our carriers. And we got a notification or email saying, hey, we really don't want you to write business. But it was a complete package. So that was a little surprising. But that tells you how bad it is out here right now. Um, right. So, but commercial has been a lot more consistent. Um, and, you know, we like working with business owners. Um, if it wasn't for the automation, I think that would be a little bit tougher because the cert request, the endorsements, those do take up some time. But, you know, we have a ticketing system where they fill out a form, it comes to us. Um, you know, if not that same day within 24 hours, and so we, we utilize VAs as well. So it really does, once you implement a system and process and procedures, it really does become more efficient. Yeah. So you mentioned VAs a couple of times. How many of your, not VAs, but how many of your employees work remotely? Any of them? Well, so we have three VAs right now. And then we have one um, producer who work remote, who works remotely. Everybody else is in the office. And then going through COVID, uh, at some point you had to all work remotely, correct? You know, how long did that last? Two weeks. Yeah. That's all? Yeah. Yeah. So wow. we, so we it, about two weeks, we all work from home. And then after that, we came back in. I mean, we have been an in office office, um, but we have individual offices within the office. So, which makes it a little mm-hmm. bit easier. But 
everybody everybody on the team wants to be in the office. So it's uh, okay. yeah. It, so we're, we've been here pretty much the whole time. Whatever whatever works for you, right? Yeah. 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 There are some folks that are just 100% remote philosophy. Yeah. I don't care if I have 100 employees, we're all remote. Yeah. And then there's, uh, I had an interview last week. He's like, I have 20 employees. 100% of us are in the office. Right. We'll never be remote. I'm like, you know, that's why we're independent. Yeah. There's a thousand different ways to do it in a thousand different office uh, agencies. So right. uh, we get to do what we feel best for our staff, our clientele, our carrier partnerships, all of that. So one question I was going to ask you about your employees. So how do you segment them? Do you have salespeople separate from service? hundred percent. Nobody that does sales does service and vice versa. Or how do you do it? Pretty much if everybody wants to sell and service, they can, or they're capable of doing that. We do have specific commercial risk managers who only focus on commercial, but they sell and service. And then we have some that's personal lines. And then we have some that can kind of do both. So I, we're, we're very fluid. It, it almost feels as if, you know, we, if we need a pickup, especially going into summer now, people are going on vacation. So on a normal schedule, we do have people who specifically work on their own tasks, meaning we have a personal lines account manager who only does service. Now they'll help with rewrites and reshops, but they won't work on new business. And we do have a risk manager who only does new business personal lines. So it is very individual, but again, they can kind of do everything. Okay. Um, I know I see on some of your social media, uh, you have a staff member, it looks like a staff member uh, do video. And this person will walk in with a camera and they'll walk right through the conference door or your office door and come up right to you. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And say, Daniel. Here's a question, and they ask the question, and you give the answer, and it looks like it's all 100%. Like they just come in whenever they want. It's not scheduled or scripted by you. Is that how it works? Well, you know, th that is how it works. So I don't know the question beforehand. Now, if you notice on those okay. videos, I do have a little mic. Um, so right. she'll come in and says, Daniel, we're going to record. So I'll just put it on real quick and then she'll come in with, and just kind of. Well, that's the only prep work. Throw on a mic. That's the only mic. prep work. And it, Dave, I tell you what, brother, it takes. Well, the, the video is about 45 seconds long. Right. It takes sure. maybe yeah, three minutes from start to finish. From, yeah. from start to upload, it takes about three minutes. But mm -hmm. it's also, you know, if you notice, it's a different, it's a different camera angle, right? So it kind of stands out. Um, mm -hmm. And a lot of it is personal questions where, you know, I, I think that's what people want. You know, people want to know people outside of the office or outside. The human the, side. The, exactly, Right. Because to me, that's the interesting side. And once I get to right. know your personal side, I can appreciate your business side a little bit more. Um, but yeah, that, that's some of the feedback that we've been getting. So I thought, okay, well, let's, let's do that. It doesn't take too much effort and it's, it's, it's content, right? It's, and, and, you know, people right. might be interested. Yeah. And that's part of your planned uh, social media strategy is to show us uh, our people, show us our human side, and then let people get to know us yeah. before they ever do business with us and hope that'll be the catalyst that allow them to do business with us because they know us, they see us and like, Oh, I know that guy. I've seen him on video. You know how people are. They're starstruck, right? They think they see you on camera and think, Oh my gosh, that's the guy I saw in the film, you know, on YouTube or yeah. wherever. 
they treat you like a like a rock star. Well, I, I think you nailed it, Dave. You know, um, so very proud of the team because you know we've utilized Yelp and we have a whole strategy around Yelp. And out here, Yelp is pretty big. So right. you know, we are the highest rated agency in the country on Yelp. But when people find us through Yelp or through Google, if if they make an appointment here in the office, done. We know it's a sold policy. Right. They come in, we have their name on the board, Yesenia, Stephanie, we'll meet them, greet them in the front. They walk into the conference room, they're looking around like, wow, this is different. It doesn't feel like an insurance office. And even though, even if I'm not running the meeting, I will always walk in and just say hello. Um, cool. And many times, you know, they say, you're that guy, you're Daniel, like you're everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. No, we don't do any, I've never paid, I never paid for a lead, but we do at market in three other local grocery stores here where on the shopping cart, it has our picture. But, they, you know, they see us everywhere. And again, that's just part of the experience that we're providing for them. And then once my risk manager comes in, I mean, it's just a formality at that point. But it really does make an impact. And I don't know how much. So we have over 3,500 photos that we upload on our Yelp account. So they're just there just looking through the photos. Now, I don't know what the percentage is of people contacting us because we have the photos up there. And I don't really care. All I know right. is the more you post, the more you put out there, it all kind of works together. You know, they can see us on Yelp driving home. They go stop by the grocery store to pick up some milk and they see our picture again or our advertisement. Another, another, uh, we're, we're, we're buying space in their mind. So it all, it all just yeah. kind of works together. But one of the things that I see is people started and after they do it for a week or two or three, they say, this is too much work. You just got to be consistent with it. Consistent consistency is key. is key yeah that's very cool so um if people listen to this podcast and they learn one thing from you or me but mostly you it's got to be consistency mm. just be there all the time and have a strategy so let me tell you a, story, a slight short story with iaoa which is a group that I founded nine years ago of independent agency owners, the brokers who are the owner of the agency. We have 9,000 plus members now. I vet every single one of them on a Monday, usually Mondays, see if they qualify to join the group of all the people that request to join. So in order for me to find out two things, number one, are you an independent? Could be a captive like State Farmer, Allstate or Farmers or whoever, or you could be a non-owner. So you must be an owner slash principal slash partner, have an ownership stake in the agency. So I visit a ton of insurance agency websites. Literally, I reject about 150% wow. of those who, yeah, more than those I approve. So of 9,000 that I've approved, I'll bet you I've looked, I've uh, looked at 20,000 different profiles and I don't know, 10,000 insurance agency websites. The number one message I want to share with those folks is update your social media. Listen to Daniel's song. There's no social media on there. I can't tell you. Some of the websites are from 1987. Yeah. They're just that old. And none of, many of them don't have social media icons. They wouldn't know what a Yelp review is you know, or Google review, they wouldn't have any of that on their website. It's amazing to me. 
And, you know, there's people in our industry that do that, help them that do just that with websites and social media presence. But there are so many of them that are missing the ball game because they're not doing the same types of things you have. And the point you made was a little video, 45 second on air video takes all three minutes to create and produce and publish three whole minutes. And it's not hard. You could, if you wanted to, you could do it a hundred percent from your phone. That's right. And do it just like that. It's not hard. So find a millennial or a teenager, you know, who knows how to use a phone like better than anything else they own, and let them do your social media. I mean, at least do that. Yeah. So anyway, that's my message to all those out there that think social media doesn't have any. You know, they don't do it, so they don't think. Don't think your clients are just like you. Yeah. That's my point. You know, everybody's got social media is so, so involved well, in our lives today. Yeah. Well, to, to your point, only- Dave, the video that I make every day, that's with my iPhone. Nothing else. Right. We right. record, we edit, we upload right on the iPhone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, you're, you're right. It's like, you know, people don't realize your iPhone is also a phone. It does so yeah. much, but it's also a phone, right? Um, and. Forget about that it makes phone calls because mo- nobody cares about exactly. that anymore. Exactly. It does texting and videos and all the rest. That's photos, right. And, and the know, best thing that, about it is it's free. You know, you can yeah. take a picture, yeah. hit upload on LinkedIn or so, or Facebook or Instagram. It's free. Just the time. Just a little bit. That's of time. it. That's it. And, yeah, and I yeah, will yeah. say once you get in a rhythm of doing it, it is so effortless. It is so effortless. Um, but it's social media is yeah. here to stay. And, you know, if, if Facebook might not be around in 10 years, but something else will, it is here to right. stay. It's not going anywhere. Yep. yep, for sure. So final topic before we let you go, um, we've talked about it. Um, IAOA is a group of 9,000 independent agency owners. Um, and early on, we, um, after I founded it, we started to have an annual meeting, it eventually became a full-blown conference. And uh, this year it's in October. We move it around from city to city every year. And it's not for the industry uh, open to the entire industry. It's only for IOA members. Mm. They're the only attendees who can attend. And of course we have an exhibit hall full of um, vendors and exhibitors, but those who speak on stage, which is another area that were very different, they are also only IAOA members. So these are peer-to-peer presentations given this year from 19 different people that'll stand on stage and talk about something they're doing in their agency that is very important, critically important to the success of their agency. So that if I'm an attendee sitting in the audience, on Monday morning, I can go home and start implementing, not all 19, but whatever ones that I feel like are the ones that are going to benefit me the most. Actionable things that I can take home Monday morning and start. So that's been our format since year one. I take a poll every year and say, hey, would you like a motivational speaker? Would you like a carrier CEO to come and talk about the state of the industry? And it's resounding. No, do not change it. (laughs) We love the format. And so this year we have the fortune, uh, fortunality of having Daniel join us as one of those 19 presenters. So we, uh, first off, I want to say thank you for committing to being uh, a part of our event and giving back to your peers and helping to make our agency better. I, obviously, you've told us giving back is important to you now, probably more so than ever in your career. 
And so this is a very important part of it um, because there'll be several hundred in the audience who are going to be listening wholeheartedly with what you have to say. Give us a sneak peek as to what you're going to talk about. Well, you know, I, I really do want to make a connection with everybody there. Um, and I, I led this, this podcast with, you know, we can all connect with our failures. So I want to go into that a little bit deeper about our story a little bit um, and how we went from zero to where we are today in what I think is a very short time. Um, intentionality is very important. I do also want to talk about, you know, how we became the highest rated insurance industry on Yelp in the country. I mean, there were agencies out here. There were hundreds of reviews um, when we had 10. But through time. We are double what they have now. And all the obstacles that you're going to face on that journey, but it's mindset, team culture, and just consistency, just, just like winning, winning, and what winning looks like to everybody. But I, I cannot wait. It's going to be an amazing time. Awesome. Well, we're thrilled to have you and can't wait. October 5th, 6th, and 7th, there's an annual. Uh, commercial selling workshop early on the 4th. This is in October. And this year is in Chicago at the Marriott Marquis. This is a br almost brand new 36-story, uh, I want to say, 38-story uh, high-rise hotel uh, right next door to McCormick Place, which is the south loop of Chicago downtown. And uh, close to the lake, close to all the cool things on the lake, like Shedd Aquarium and the the museums and all that. So it's going to be a really cool experience. Uh, and we can't wait to get there and have you on stage for us. Um, do you know your day? I was going to look it up. Do you know your date and time that you're speaking? I, I think I'm speaking the first day right before lunch. So after me is lunch from that's it. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and morning. If, I, if I could first just morning. Uh, share one thing, what's really helped me was connecting and you know, I always post relationships matter. Friendships matter. Take that, take that one step above. Friendships matter. Whenever I go to an event, I get there early. So if the event is, let's say, on Thursday, I get there at the very latest on Wednesday. Well, first of all, maybe sometimes even Tuesday, you just don't know what's going to happen. You know, there could be delays. There could be just anything could happen. So try to get there at least the day before. Have dinner with people that you want to connect with. Start messaging people in, a, in advance. And you might get pulled into a group that you just didn't know that you needed to be in. Right. And stay for the event. Have breakfast with people, lunch, with dinner. Just, and then also, if the event ends on, let's say, a Saturday, you know, try to leave that next day. Like Be there in the event for the full time. That has helped me tremendously with relationships, friendships, side conversations. And I know people say this all the time, but you can actually build your business going from event to event. And I can talk about that a little deeper, but definitely commit yourself for, for, for that time. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, we had uh, somebody uh, post in our group just the other day when you go to the Registration for our conference just started Thursday, June 1. And when you go buy your ticket, okay, now you've got from June 1 to October 1, roughly, make a plan. Mm. Make a plan for when you don't just buy your airfare, 
and book your hotel and have your ticket in hand and show up and say, I hope something good happens. Yeah. No, make a plan and actually, like you said, seek out the folks that you know you want to meet, go up and shake their hand. They'll have a name badge on with their name and where they're from. Shake their hand, introduce yourself, and network. Have breakfast, lunch, speak after hours. That's where, you know, you know it and everybody knows it. Yeah. That's where so much is positive comes about from attending a conference is the after hour stuff. The stuff that happens, you know, things that come from the stage. Oh, absolutely. They're, they're beneficial. No question. But when you build those relationships and now on Monday morning, you know what? Oh my gosh, I can call Daniel. He gave me his cell phone. Mm -hmm. I can call him and I have a question. And I've got not just Daniel, I've got dozens and dozens of friends, as you call them, or relationships, a notch above that, that I can rely on and email and message and text and call and get my personal detail questions answered. Because I know they are, I already know they have the answer. Yeah. So those are the kind of folks that you can rely on. And when you have that, you're no longer an independent. You don't feel like you're on an island. Like when you do the first day you start out, because you really are on an island. So my quick story, five different agencies, two all states, a state farm and two independents. And when I went from state farm to independent, I was now independent. I didn't have a district manager anymore to call. Yeah, sure, I could call an underwriter if I had a question, or I could call a carrier rep if I had a question. But the to get my questions answered by peers, my own peers, could be right down the street or halfway across the country. They're doing the same thing I'm doing, beating the pavement every day, making a living, having fun doing it, and ask all my questions. That's why IOA was uh, created selfishly on my part because I wanted to get my questions answered. Turned out, so did 9,000 plus others uh, found that that would be helpful as well. So that's, people bought into the mission. It wasn't about Captain Dave. It was about all those others who bought into the mission said that I can support this and I'm willing to give back like you do uh, to help those and the next generation who are coming along. Um, and so, yeah. So we about run out of time here, Daniel. I can't believe it went that fast. So I want to thank you again for joining me been awesome people are going to love listening to you and they're really going to enjoy seeing you and hearing you on stage in october in chicago at innovation 23 can't thank you enough and we appreciate it say hello to your wife and all your five kids and brother i wish you the best of luck with those four teenage girls <laughs> awesome thanks for having me dave <laughs> you're welcome enjoy your week yeah. captain dave signing out take care Thank you for listening to Collabcast with IAOA with Captain Dave Jackson. Production and distribution by Podsquad.fm, Riverside.fm, and Spotify for podcasters. Special thanks to Little Dog Social Media, Terry Champion, and all our guests and listeners. If you're an independent insurance agency owner, please subscribe to our podcast weekly. You can also request to join our agency owner exclusive Facebook group, IAOA or Insurance Agency Owners Alliance at IAOA.com. Captain Dave Jackson signs out from sunny Hendersonville, Tennessee.